Welcome to the Lead Full Podcast, hosted by Chesley Lunday. In each episode, we bring you innovators and creatives that share their insights to help you eradicate futility in your life so you can lead from fulfillment. Only fulfilled leaders can fill the world with hope. Get ready to lead full. Hey, we are getting ready to interview Zan Fiskum. Now, you might have recognized that name. She was on season 18 of The Voice. She was on Team Legend, made it all the way to the top nine. We are so excited to have Zan. She's going to talk to us a little bit about what is it like to be a creative in the middle of a pandemic? How was the show and the whole process? There's a lot of the show that we don't even know about because we don't even get to see it. But I had a really exciting interview and we'd love for you to listen in. Hey, thanks, Zan, for being on the podcast. Uh, really excited about you being here. And we were just getting ready to have that conversation about you talking about what it's like being uh, a Jesus follower, um, sharing your music. And, you know, uh, one of the things that we care about is as creatives, we want to know, we want everybody to know you don't have to create you know, quote unquote, Christian things to make an impact on your city for the glory of God. And you were going to kind of jump right in there and tell us what, what, what it's like being a music artist in that regard. Yeah. Um, it's just like, there are so many people that would never step foot into a church. They don't feel comfortable. They've had bad experiences. And I've had some really just incredibly impactful conversations with people um, sitting at the bar during my show, um, you know, people who have come to listen, people who have, um, you know, been working the show and it's not always pretty and perfect. You know, sometimes these people are drunk and they're just pouring out your heart, but I'm like, that's like what my heart longs for, um, is to have connection with people like that. And so, Obviously, a part of it is just I feel like I have a gift for um, music that, you know, I, I write about my life, not just my um, worship. But, you know, it, it's it's deeper than that. Like, I, I feel so much fulfillment in getting to be involved in the music world in that way. Yeah, that's really awesome. So for those of you that don't know, Zan was on season 18. Was it season 18 yes. of uh, The Voice? Uh, it will probably go down in history uh, that season <laughs> because that was the season yeah. everything shut down with COVID. Um, yeah. You made it to what? Top eight? Was it top eight? It was top nine. Top nine. Yeah. yeah. Like you were, you were like you and Thunderstorm were the two that I was really rooting for. So, um, but yeah, uh, did really well. Um, obviously you are navigating some craziness with COVID and trying to build a music career. And usually when you are on that path of the voice, there's what, there's like a, uh, tour that you do. There's a bunch of press mm -hmm. that, and with COVID, everybody's scrambling to try to figure out what that looks like. <laughs> so tell us the process of what that, uh, how that was for you. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of processing that needed to take place because I was pretty upset. You know, it was like, I went from the craziest, busiest time of my life and it was so fulfilling to just nothing. And, um, you know, we, we had to do nothing like we had to stay at home and, 
I think I even got COVID and what maybe didn't know it at the time. So I'm at home just doing absolutely nothing. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, so I had to honestly navigate a lot um, emotionally in that time. And I'm just trying to rebuild and move forward with my career. Um, but yeah, it will forever go down in history as the craziest voice season. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so what was your time like? Uh, you were, uh, let me guess, you were, if I remember correctly, you were on John Legend's team, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm having to go back because my wife makes me watch it every day. <laughs> I told her I'm going to really practice a great country song. It'd probably be God's Country so I could sing it for Blake, <laughs> just so I could hang out with Blake. We're both Cardinals fans. We're both from Oklahoma. I hate country, but I would do it just to hang out with him. But what was it, what was it like? Uh, Hanging out with John and being coached by him, and that just that whole process. What what do the viewers not see? That's pretty fun to to talk about. I mean, my favorite part is just like the relationships that you got to build with everyone. Um, we were, you know, sequestered in this hotel and hanging out every night and jamming every night and. So that was really special. Um, and working with John was, it was really cool. The, the longer that you are on the show, the longer um, of time that you get with him, if that makes sense. Like in terms of increments of time, like the first time it was like 20 minutes um, and then the next time 40 minutes and you know, so it continually increases. Um, and that's kind of a cool thing is you know, like the last um, time that I worked with him, we talked just about life for like 20 minutes um, and got to like connect on like a deeper level. Um, so that was really cool. And uh, yeah, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Um, I feel like, you know, it's reality TV, so it's not like perfect. They, they do some interesting things, but I felt like it had a, a really good spirit about it. Like when I got off the show, I got a call like, Hey, we just want to make sure, you know, you're talented and you feel okay. And like, I don't know. I just think there are some really good people like involved in the crew. Yeah. So are you allowed to go into like the details on the backs, like on the backside of what they do <laughs> from a reality situation? If, if you can't, that's cool, but yeah, I can. Okay, cool. Tell us about that. Um, well, well, I mean, what do you mean exactly? Well, obviously, we see the polished, edited uh, version of what that looks like on TV. Mm -hmm. I watch it on Hulu. But um, w what are the things that we're not seeing at home that are part of that process? Like, how does the sausage get made? I think one of the biggest things people don't realize is how many auditions there are to get to the actual chair audition. Um, there's like five or six. Um, and you're there for a month leading up to the actual chair audition moment. And while you're there with hundreds of people there for a month working on stuff. They'll randomly call someone to the office and be like, hey, we just decided you're going to go home today. Like, they just don't even get to audition. So um, the whole American Idol process that they televise, like for you guys, they don't even televise. Yes, 
exactly. So there's there's a lot, and it, it was really emotional because we would be in our hotel, and they would tell us like around eight or nine p.m. if you were going to audition the next day, and so they would call off names, and your friends would be leaving. Um, and as once they audition, then they're gone. Like they go home. You don't see them after that. So it's emotional because people you love don't make it. And then also you're afraid to not get to be called because once the teams fill up, then it's over. So there's like a margin of people that don't get audition, not because they weren't qualified, but because, but because they just didn't get called. Spots. Yeah. 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 So, so it's, it's really, really hard. hard. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it. Be nerve wracking. Um, yeah. And yeah. And it's, it's a kind of a whirlwind of stuff because you're hurrying up constantly and then you're waiting around constantly and then, okay, hurry up and run over to go do an interview with this person. And, you know, so it's kind of, it's kind of a weird blurb of stuff. Yeah. It sounds like it. So it, I love Ellen. Did you end up getting to go on her show? I know she has like almost everybody come on her oh, show. No, I that didn't end Ellen. up happening. No, no everything was shut down. Shut down, everything. man. So not even any Zooms? Like, I mean, I, I've um, lived on Zoom. I did Zooms. do some Zooms with like uh, Entertainment Tonight and uh, some things like that. But how was that yeah. experience? It's usually like fun. really, really quick. Yep, it's quick. Well, it's funny because the interview process is so long, and then what they show on TV, you're like, oh, wow, that was, <laughs> you didn't get any of the good stuff. Right, yeah, <laughs> yes. No, I know. It's, uh, man, uh, just doing the editing process for a Sunday morning at a church service or any of that stuff <laughs> online, you're like, I can't say that. That's too much filler, you know. So you get mm -hmm. like a little bit of the entire piece that you're doing. So, yeah, yeah. Um, tell me what life has been like uh, obviously you and i just had a conversation a little bit but what has life been like after the voice uh normally you have the tour but like you're still having to hustle now right so it's been a yeah. little bit of a different experience for you compared to other uh other seasons of the voice talk to us about that yes been in the hustle just trying to basically have a strong presence online with social media which is really hard because who understands how that works um <laughs> and I'm working on my album and uh you know the way a career I think the way that I understand it it works is it's not this linear uh incline you know um it's kind of you you got to put your best foot forward and someone's going to call you up that you did a random show for two or three years ago and they have an opportunity for you that's great um so that's kind of the game that i'm in at the moment um one of the cool things though is i still have like a relationship with john legend after the show um and he's still pretty invested in like the music that i'm working on so I'm kind of hopeful that he'll, uh, like that'll like lead to more. Yeah. So what has it been like trying to navigate through relationships and start networking 
in uh you know in this situation where you can't go anywhere and you're you know you're doing online uh appearances rather than physical appearances um what has it been like doing the networking side yeah i mean it's been hard i think honestly i'm bad at networking just as it is because i'm just like chill i'm like opportunities will come to me <laughs> but um yeah i honestly the way that I try to approach networking is like anytime I meet anybody, I just try to build like a relationship with them and um, see if we connect, see what we could do together in the future. And so the few moments that I've had those opportunities have been um, in really small settings, like when I've done live streams for different events or things like that. But there's not a lot of opportunity right now to meet people and network. Right especially you live in Washington. So I do. Everything's perpetually shut down there. So Extremely I, so. <laughs> I know how that feels. Yeah. <laughs> My sister uh, is actually, um, uh, she's, she's in elected office there in Seattle. And so, but oh, she's really? been hanging out here for the last couple months trying. Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, you're a little bit more open. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's like, yeah. And you have, we have son, you guys don't. So it helps with the depression when you're locked in your house. Um, so you're an Enneagram four, right? If I remember yes. correctly, um, I'm guessing more introverted. Mm -hmm. It makes you really great at the creative stuff. So let's talk a little bit about your creative process. What does that look like for you when you're songwriting? Um, creative process, a lot of times um, is in my car. I get a lot of ideas in my car. Um, but I think like one of the things that I found for myself is like there's just moments where like ideas like come in my head and I hear the song like in my head, you know. And I've heard of other artists and people experiencing that and other people have attributed it to like feeling like there's something like greater at work within you. And so I don't know, I, I really do feel like God has given me like a gift for songwriting that I haven't necessarily fine tuned. Um, it's just kind of there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I feel like I'll get inspiration. And um, a lot of times with my songwriting, I'll start singing words that just like happen. And I'll realize like, this is about my life and what I'm going on. And I feel like I learn about how I feel about situations or what I'm thinking and what I'm processing. So it's really interesting um, to look back. Like when I write like a bunch of songs, I'm like, that's like a statement of who I was in that season or what I was going through in that season. Um, yeah, I really feel like my music teaches me a lot about myself. Um, and yeah, and, and when I don't feel like inspired recently, I just kind of go to the piano and I don't try to write a song, but I just jam and, um, it's just a good way to get yourself into that creative zone. So, yeah. Um, I was trying to write a sermon the other day and I had just massive writer's block. <laughs> Tell us what do you do yeah. when you, outside of like playing the piano, uh, what, what are some things that you do to try to mitigate that when you're going to a place and you've got like 
okay, it's just not flowing today. So are there mm-hmm. exercises you do to kind of just let the juices start flowing a little bit and maybe see if you can get a rhythm? Yeah, I've kind of found that like different creative outlets actually impact my songwriting. So like, like painting or sculpting or um, like different stuff outdoors kind of helps me get back into a creative place. But one of the other things that like was so hard for me that I had to learn from listening to other songwriters is it is completely normal as a songwriter to go through these really extreme cycles where you're just like creating like and it there's no stop and then it's like bottoms out and it's like the weirdest thing and it's it's kind of weird because it's almost like you've given all your energy and then yet bottoms out and you like need more sleep and it's just a weird thing so I've kind of also learned like not to um make myself feel bad and like take care of myself in those sort of up and down thing like creative zones I guess so like there's almost like a rhythm to it you know you you're you're yeah you've got high output and then you've expended yourself to a mm-hmm. point where you kind of have to refill your cup you you hit on something a little bit earlier talking about um this creative spark, you know, other people talk about inspiration. Um, you attributed it to God. Um, uh, one of the things that a lot of people have a difficulty uh, understanding or recognizing is God at work in your daily life through you mm-hmm. and the gifts and abilities that you have. Um, and I, I think there's even a lot of a lot of Jesus followers out there that don't realize like this this gift that you have for singing is something that he is um, fueling you with, with that creativity and that spark and that divine inspiration. Um, kind of uh, reflect on that a little bit for us. Like talk to us a little bit about um, why you think it's God, what that looks like for you, how how you process that over the last few years. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think exactly like you said, God is in more of our lives and in more of the little details than I think we realize. Um, and I think just because of the experiences that I've had where I'm not trying and this great thing comes forward and I'm like, there's just no way I could have done that. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I don't know what else to attribute it to. And it really impacted me hearing other artists where they say the same thing but they don't believe in god but they're like i feel like yeah this this greater thing is working in and through me um and i think it's i think it's a beautiful beautiful gift i think it's amazing and it just shows like like we've talked about that god cares about um the gifts that he's given to us, he cares about our daily lives, and it doesn't have to look like, oh, I serve in the church to honor him with what what we have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what does that do to your theology when you hear somebody that doesn't <laughs> believe in God? Obviously, you're a Jesus follower, um, which is how we met. Uh, mm-hmm. But 
what is it, what does that do for like your paradigm of who God is, what the Holy Spirit's doing when a, when somebody that doesn't believe is still like you're like wait a minute this is at work in them too like t- talk mm-hmm. me through how you process that. <laughs> I don't know how I process it honestly. I think um, I just kind of have to smile and laugh sometimes because I'm like yeah that's God. He he loves his kids. He loves his people. And I think he's on a mission to use whoever he can <laughs> whenever he can. And he's, he's reaching out. And I don't think, unfortunately, everyone acknowledges him or acknowledges that, but you, you can see, yeah, the hand of God in people's lives. And, and yeah, I don't understand it, but I'm like, Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really is cool. Uh, as a pastor, um, and somebody that, you know, makes their living talking about this. Um, I, I do find it like, okay, there's, there's still parts of this that I get so curious about. Um, I don't have it all, you know, figured out. I think God, um, oftentimes what we do, even as Jesus followers is we tend to put God in a box and, um, the box is there to help me kind of conceptualize this thing that's incomprehensible, which is God. And uh, although he's personable and he's near, he's also vastly more infinite than I could even imagine. And when you, when you go to your writing, how do you, uh, is there an acknowledgement of that part of God in your writing process? Do you, do you reflect on that when you are, writing is that uh, a key part like a pillar of what you do i think when i'm when i'm writing my worship music yes um and i feel like with writing worship music it's different i feel like a huge burden in um writing things that are accurate and um really like glorify god and uh i just want to be careful with my words um, cause it's not in, and that, at that point, it's not a me thing. Um, it's, it encompasses, um, a prayer. It becomes a prayer that a lot of people will, uh, connect to. And so, yeah, I feel that that deep need to accurately express who God is. And that can be really hard because yeah, there's a lot of little phrases that we use in church that can be really misleading. And I just, I always feel like this need to like be really careful. Like for example, um, I, I started to get bothered by, I actually used it once when I was leading worship. I was like, I think I I said, um, let's invite God into this place. And after I was done leading worship, my friend Hunter came up to me and he was like, when you use the word invite, what does that imply? And I was like, that he's not here. And he's like, exactly. He's always here. And so not that that, I don't think that when people use that term that they are meaning that God isn't already there. But I think that it does impact us in that way in creating like mindsets like that. Um, so anyways, I just try to be careful of those things. Does that make it more difficult in the creative process if you're thinking through the worship? Cause I'm guessing you're, you've got all these like, oh, I can't say this theologically, or I, uh, if I say this, this is going to become misconstrued <laughs> or 
Um, like, how does that yeah. affect the creative process? Yeah, it totally affects like a lot. And I've written songs before and sent them to people and they're like, I disagree. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's a song, dang it. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think that there's a balance because I don't want to get so lost in theology to the point where I can't just like love God, you know? There has to be like that purity there as well. Um, but yeah, I want to be careful with the words that I write. And so I, it's a lot harder to write worship music, in my opinion. It's a lot harder. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one of my favorite uh, artists, when I was I was living up in Seattle at the time, going to a church, and you might know the guy, Chad Gardner. Um, mm, uh, I don't think so. So they do King's Kaleidoscope, what is oh, a band. Yeah. yeah. So Chad's the lead singer. Um, and he, they wrote a song, and it was called A Prayer, but it was like, it was raw and honest. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he said the F word in the prayer. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, the backlash that they got because they were a Christian band. And how dare them be honest and say what was on their heart, probably exactly the way he prayed the prayer in real life. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've talked about this as pastors. I've got a friend of mine that's a pastor in Ohio. And I just... He was having a hard time in church and he's like, I don't get what the problem is. I said, you know, what the problem is, is that church has become the most dishonest place on the planet. And we just like sat in that for a little bit. Um, yeah. As an artist, like you make your money off of authenticity and honesty. Um, how hard has that been as a Jesus follower in, in the faith communities that you're a part of to to really be open, authentic, transparent, and honest. Hey, before we get back to the rest of the interview, I wanna take a short break to tell you a little bit about something that I am doing with a team of mine, and that is called King City. King City is a new all digital church that is about helping you develop fulfillment in your life because actually we believe that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that no matter the amount of success you have, it's all futile in the end anyways. And we believe in defeating futility. But here's the deal, because it's digital, we're not gonna have a building, we're not going to be looking for people to pay for the mortgage or the lights right away, but we do need people that say, you know what, I am all in for some sort of new church that is all about reaching people for Jesus and helping people develop fulfillment and reach their potential so that they can change the world. What does that mean? That means you need to text me and we need to get on a Zoom call together. So let's do that, all right? The number is 480-531-9015. I will love to meet you. Now, enough of me talking. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, I think that's a great point because Honestly, I do fear some honesty sometimes and the backlash from the church specifically. Um, and I think that that's just something that uh, it has to be wrestled with because I think, um, you know, you want to not be offensive to people for sure, but sometimes certain things just need to be said. Um, and like that song, like, I think um, I'm fine if it makes someone uncomfortable and they don't like the song, but if they're like creating like a huge problem with it, then that kind of bothers me. But I'm like, look at Psalms, man. They were not 
using pretty language. No, they weren't. Uh, they go were to Ezekiel. Nice. I think it's Ezekiel 36, if I remember correctly. This is God talking to the Israel nation about how um, they were basically, uh, he used some very sexually graphic terms mm -hmm. to talk about what Israel was doing in their relationship with God to other nations. And so, mm. um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't find it, uh, many places in the Bible that pull punches on their language, but yet this American yeah. evangelical Christian thing that we do, we tend to get very uh, puritanical about the words we use. And I think it's, I think it's caused a rift in how we handle um, ourselves, even when we go to to be in the faith community with other other Jesus followers, we're not we're we end up having to put a mask or at least a filter on everything we do or say or act. Um, yeah. What what would be your advice to other creatives that are in that space that feel that tension all the time mm. when they're maybe they are in the church space as a worship leader or maybe they're trying to bust out of that and go more mainstream? How would you how would you tell us or give us advice on how to handle that? I think that if um, people are wanting to speak out about something that's controversial, <laughs> um, I think that there's a healthy level to honesty. Um, but I think that the wisdom in it is uh, doing it in a way that is meant for growth and meant for, um, you know, you're wanting to speak a message to people, not necessarily to prove a point. And I think that that's important. Um, and then, yeah, when it comes to like being a songwriter, sometimes I just kind of have to remind myself, like, who cares what people think? Everybody's got an opinion, and it it's just too many opinions. <laughs> right, and art is um, subjective too, man. Like, I just watched yeah. the Snyder cut of, of Justice League last night, like four hours and two minutes. Um, and then my brother, I, I posted on Facebook last night. I'm like, I love this. This is actually really great. My brother texted me this morning. He's like, I got to admit, I completely disagree with you. I thought it was crap. And like, I'm, I'm like, art is subjective. He's like, no, it's not. You just have bad opinions. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you run into that often. Like, you're like, yeah, that's yeah. just not my style. I don't like country music. I, I think everybody yeah. goes to country when they can't make it in real life. And that is probably horrible, and somebody's going to write me about that. But it, that's what I've always told my wife. But yeah, like, um, what do you, uh, what do you think is um, a way to build community uh, for creatives that are Jesus followers that are trying to do more than just do Christian music? How can we be more collaborative and come together? I mean, I think it can start small and just supporting those people. And um, as like as a Christian, like if you see someone hustling and they've got the talent, like encourage them, uh, support them in their journey. And um, I come back to the my home church. One of the things that they said to me when I started my journey on, on The Voice was that you can have roots and wings and those can coexist at the same time and, and allow your roots to be within the church. That is good. I'm a preacher, so I'm stealing that. And it's going to be like roots and wings, quote Chesley Lunday. No. 
I think they said it was from a movie that they heard. Yeah, see, the rule is um, (laughs) somebody said, right? And then Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard it said, and then I always say, you have eyes, (laughs) plagiarize. No, I'm just playing. I don't really mean that. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's good, though. And I think it's true. And and we need to help creatives because a lot of creatives, um, I think they feel pushed out from the church and they end up falling away. And they need to feel like they can be rooted and encouraged to fly into their dreams, you know? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that because I have, um, um, I, I have dealt with a lot of musicians in my time in, uh, the church world and they get a reputation, right? Cause they're creative. Uh, the creative uh, process is nonlinear. And so they sometimes get branded flighty and a little flaky and, um, and we have not made it a conducive place to, to really grow in rootedness there. Probably part of it is our attitude. Um, but w- what could we do as a church to help build um, a place where creatives can thrive? Yeah, I think, you know, honestly, one of the first things that comes to mind that I've seen in a lot of aspects is, um, unfortunately, a lot of church leadership tends to flock towards like investing in people that they feel a connection with. And I think whoever is coming into your church, they need to be invested in whether or not they're hard to talk to, they're not easy to get along with, they're weird, whatever. Every person matters to God. And I think that there's a lot of creative people out there who can be a little eccentric. (laughs) Not every time. But, um, but yeah, I think, yeah, they just don't always feel connected or welcome. And also like if somebody has, you know, this incredible strength of music, but they're on a worship team that doesn't really put a lot of time and investment in work, um, that can be hard for them. Yeah. Talk about that a little bit because in the church world, it's like, Hey, we want to give everybody a voice. We want to empower everybody to serve, but you're saying, the opposite in a, in a little bit, in a little ways, you're like, Hey, yes, we want everybody to do that. But the people that are really uh, pushing to do this well, they're going to be turned off by just anybody being able to get up there and not taking it seriously. So um, how do we hold that tension as an artist yourself? Yeah. And obviously you've been a, a worship pastor as well. Like talk to us about that. I think you can totally manage that tension And I think one of the great ways is, you know, first of all, someone's an incredible musician. They need to have some humility and understand that the music is not the top priority in a worship setting. But I also think that they have a lot to offer and in terms of developing um, other musicians. So I think like creating a worship environment where... um, you're developing other people and encouraging them to work hard and go to the next step in their abilities is a great way to include everybody. Um, And I think there are so many people who start in the church. That's where I started. That's where John Legend started. That's what, you know, I meet tons of people. That's where they started. And so inspiring incredible people to invest in the younger musicians, I think is a great way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
one of the movements that is happening with uh, the church world is really helping people make an impact in their city, making an impact mm-hmm. in their networks, their social networks, their environments. Um, for people like you that are creatives, sometimes God gives them a humongous platform. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously when you have a platform, people are looking at you. Mm-hmm. But um, how do we, um, as creative leaders, turn that around and really work to make an impact and not be about this consumer relationship with the star, but how can the star move to serve others as they are, as they are, like, have the platform, as they have the platform and are creating? Like, mm-hmm. how, can we, how can we be better at serving others in that process and impacting our cities? Yeah, I mean... I know for myself, like with the people I have looking to me, I try to like make sure to communicate like that every person has value. I think that's one of like my big things. And um, I don't like go crazy with preaching on my Instagram and and different things like that. But I I do go... um, the extra mile of making sure my my people know that they have value. Um, that's really important to me. And so I think, yeah, finding ways to, to reach your people, figure out what you want your message to be, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like, the Bible says this and, and whatever, but um, communicating some sort of a message that has the heart of God in it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's my message is that I believe that there's every person has unique value. And I think that everybody matters to God. Um, And that's the message that I want people to hear and I want people to know. And also, I think um, that there is a safe space with God to feel and think and wonder and anything uh, before him, and I like to really explore some maybe dark emotions, confusing emotions, things that people don't always talk about, but they feel. And I think like it's important to know like that's okay with God. You can do that, you know. Yeah, talk a little bit more about that because I I do <clears> think <throat> that uh, we don't do a good job of that as pastors communicating <laughs> that um, from a pulpit, you know. But um, yeah. tell. How do you do that? What does that look like? I mean, I think I'm just a deep person. So I think it's it's natural and comfortable for me. Um, but it, I think I just realized so many of us go through life like, hey, how are you? I'm great. But life's not great. Um, but we say that. And um, so... I mean, I'm like that in my own relationships and friendships. Like, I want to know what's really going on in your life. And no, we don't have to cry every time we see each other. Um, But I want to be, I just want to be fully open. Um, And I don't want to also judge people on the journey that they're on. Maybe they're wrestling with their faith. Maybe they're wrestling with some darker things. And I'm not going to judge them or shame that. I'm going to walk them through it. I'm going to talk with them about it. Yeah. Have you, um, you, you talked about wrestling with dark emotions. 
Mm. Um, is there an experience that you have that you're like, man, this is stuff that I've I've wrestled with that uh, that I can help navigate people through? Again, we don't talk about it very much in the church, but I would love mm-hmm. to know, like, what does that look like? How do we wrestle with dark emo- emotions? What do you mean by that even? Um, today I was in the car <laughs> and I was just like, I felt, you know, one of my friends made a comment about something last night and I could not let it go. I felt it had nothing to do with me and I felt completely insecure, like and anxiety was coming from it. And I think like a lot of times our natural reaction is like, okay, list all the things that you're positive or are positive and you're thankful for. But today while I was just driving in my car, I was like, okay, let's unpack this, Sam. <laughs> like, what's going on here? And I don't, I didn't fully understand why I was feeling that, but I was like, it's okay. Like, you know, obviously there's some deeper rooted things going on. Um, but it's okay, and I can sit in those things with God and allow Him to heal me and walk me through it. And yeah, like I said, I don't fully understand why I was feeling that. Um, but I just trust God with some really, some really painful things. And I've had conversations with people who they're walking through issues with cutting you know, issues with abusive relationships. I'm like, I don't have the answer for you, but I know that God does. And, um, I think that's, yeah, I don't know if that fully answers the question, but you know, those are just (laughs) thoughts that come to mind. I'm wondering, um, you talked about God as you process God healing you through that, like in what ways has he navigated that with you? Like uh, what has been the process that he's used to help, uh, help heal some of your wounds? Mm. Um, I mean, forgiveness. And, um, I just, I always feel like in worship and in prayer, like just things lift off of you. There's a new freedom. Um, and I don't know, like, I guess I've just had certain moments with people where they've asked me some really intense and difficult questions, and I've had to kind of take a step back and pray, and it's been really cool because I've seen God give them an answer, and I didn't know how to how to help them through it, um, but he's done the same thing for me. I'm like, well, I don't really know what to do with this, but and he answers eventually. That's good. That's good. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, I know, you know, you and I've had a couple conversations talking about you being an Enneagram four. So you can, that comes through very much as you're talking about the creative (laughs) process and you are a very deep thinker and you can, you're in touch with emotions. I'm an Enneagram eight. So the only emotion I'm Ah. in touch with is it's anger. (laughs) I, I have to sit and get by myself to go, okay, what are you really feeling? Cause I'm about, I'm an emotional toddler. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as somebody that is, uh, trying to build their following and build an influence, like build their platform as an influencer and trying to build a business, um, 
oftentimes the things that make you great at the creative process might get in the way of you as the business person, right? And so uh, mm. kind of explain uh, what are the things that you're doing that, that you've, or that you've learned along this process that says uh, to other creatives, like, hey, um, I'm in the same place. I'm not natural. I, I'm not odd like Chesley Lunday will ask for a million dollars from everybody he sees because that's just what I do, you know, as uh, and I don't have, I have no shame in my body. Like, but somebody <laughs> like you, like, okay, just putting yourself out there might be, um, you do that through song, but mm -hmm. trying to do that in a place where you're trying to ask for people's contact and building a network and stuff like that, that doesn't come naturally. Uh, speak to that, to people that are uh, not Chesley, <laughs> but someone like you. <laughs> Yes, it is really hard. <laughs> and that's something I have to constantly, I struggle with it like all the time because I don't want to have to do that stuff. Um, man, what can I say? <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just so hard for me, honestly, but I think, I don't know, honestly, I, I just try to not be in my head, but not gonna lie, it's just a struggle. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that. how to help people. <laughs> I'm trying to work through it. Yeah. So tell me about your team. Like, how do you how do you build a right team? If that's something that you're weak in, one of the things that mm -hmm. we do in a business, like I'm so bad at administration. So yeah. I have four administrators that run all my there details. You so uh, you asked me to go get stuff for a pizza party. I'm getting the pizza and the soda. I will forget the <laughs> plates and the napkins and the, you know all right. the silverware. Like I'm not a detail person. So I've got to have a bunch of them. Uh, obviously, as someone that's building a business, uh, what is it like to try to find uh, a team to help fill your gaps? What does that look like in the creative space? Well, I have a manager who is great. Um, but honestly, one of the biggest things is my boyfriend, Alec, who I do music with, and we pretty much do everything together. He is the opposite um, spectrum of me. He is great at networking. He is great at all the little things you need to do. Um, and I learn a lot from him. I just kind of watch what he does. And I also ask him to help me. Um, so I really rely on those two to help me a lot with kind of that side. And, you know, I do what I need to do to grow and, and get the tools. And I just don't think that's my gift set though. <laughs> That's you fair. I mean, I mean, that's a that's a big deal. Um, what I have found is um, when you get in a job, they have this job description. But at the end of the day, we are good like at two or three things. Like we we're mm -hmm. you have a superstar voice and you're really oh, good as a lyricist, right? Um, um, I am not that, you know. So, <laughs> but again, I have no shame. So I can walk up to uh, anybody and go. You're a millionaire. You need to give my organization a million bucks. Sorry, like, and I'm gonna get no's, and people are gonna look at me like I'm crazy. My wife is gonna kick me under the table because you're not supposed to do that, you know. But um, it is a strength of mine. I I am good at that. That's so great. What... I have a great appreciation for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, talk about what it looks like. Uh, oftentimes mm -hmm. with this with our American culture, like we get this superstar piece. Uh, where we put people on a pedestal once they hit a certain uh, notoriety. 
for the church, we've seen a lot of pastors that hit that level and just crash and burn. Right. Um, I, and I, I am sure there have been people like that in, uh, in the music space as well. Um, how do we, as a, a church family, when I say the church, I'm not talking just a local church. I'm talking like the body of Christ, uh, like a family of Jesus followers. How do we help in those uh, certain circumstances to make you feel like a part of the family rather than just being gawked at? Um, what can you guys do to help uh, raise raise the standard for other people that are coming to watch your shows? Like, talk about that interplay between um, between the, the the superstar Jesus following. Uh, person on the stage and the people that are sitting there feeling like, oh, there's so much distance between you and me. Mm. Like, how can we fix that? How can we close that gap? So with your question, kind of bridging the gap between those two worlds. And I feel like initially I think of church culture. That's kind of like, um, I think that we're creating some of that in our church world as well, where we put the worship pastor and the pastor on these pedestals where we worship them a little bit and they're unattainable. And I just think that is so unhealthy. And I truly think that it's on the job of the church leadership, the pastor, the worship pastor, to bring themselves down um, and help people understand that you are a real person. Um, and I think, you know, you're going to be inspired by those people for the love that they have for Christ and their work ethic. And, um, but I guess like one of the things that I think of is, you know, a lot of churches like they don't, like pastors won't greet people in the lobby, like, and especially worship pastors, they just go chill out in the back. <laughs> I'm like, go talk to people um, and let them just see that you're real. That's the first, you know, thing that comes to mind. And I think um, with, with the music realm, I'm not sure how we could um, sort of create that gap. Although I will say it, you know, some people, when they're in the music industry, they almost try to make themselves this megastar and put themselves above people. And I think, like, that's not a super healthy way to go about it. Um, um, so, so yeah, yeah, you were you were talking about the, the wings and the roots. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I've been in many um, organizations, mostly churches, where you have uh, these... Um, sometimes camps, camps are a lot like this too. Uh, for those of you that don't go to church, like there's a whole Christian subculture that, you know, you go to camps and you get big, like us speakers, that's where you get to go speak and make some money. Same thing with you. <laughs> you get to go to camps and like these conferences to do, uh, to do like music there. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are the wing moments, but, um, as creatives, we don't necessarily like the rooted moments. Yeah. yeah. And, um, how do we as and i'm asking even for me you know as a mm -hmm. as a pastor that's a speaker um we're really good at the wings but we're not really good at the roots how do we do yeah. that you know uh, people look up to us so the the wings are easy the roots are not how do we become more rooted in a in a in a community when we're you know 
on tour so many weeks out of the year or people look up to us and when we get home we're not that superstar person or mm -hmm. how do we root ourselves in community in christian community i think yeah just the first thing that comes to mind is like it it feels good to be liked and it feels good to be put on this pedestal of like oh maybe i am more special than others but I think we just have to um, make sure that there's purity in our hearts and in our lives to crave the things of God more than we crave um, being put up on that pedestal and being liked by people and being popular. And um, I feel like I see that all the time in the church world right now is that so many people start their journey with that heart and get lost. They get lost in the sauce of being this megastar that they really aren't are and they really can't live up to be. So. Yeah, that's that's big. Um, so what, do you, what are some of the things that you do to practice community while you're still trying to hustle? Um... I think having really good relationships in your life is important. I'm friends with a lot of older people. <laughs> I mean, some of my best friends are moms in their 40s. And, you know, I'm 24 years old. No oh, shame. I was going to say, watch it. Watch it. <laughs> I'm creeping close. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no shame. And, and honestly, one of my favorite people to hang out with in the whole world is this like 70 year old lady and she just like kicks my butt she's full of life and spice and she reminds me of what's really important um so yeah i think you want to be rooted to people who ask you the hard questions and uh remind you of who you are that's huge yeah, one of the things that we've talked a lot about is uh, uh, we say this around here, so excuse my language, but um, <laughs> you know, uh, I have a group of people that when everything's going very well for me, they still tell me my things, right? <laughs> and then um, when everybody is telling me I'm not doing good and I'm not worth it, these are the same group of people. Uh, when everything's going well, say, hey, don't put yourself on a pedestal. They're the same group of people that go, hey, the people that are telling you like you're horrible and you're worth it and you should, uh, you don't deserve the air you're breathing, like you're not that bad either. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it's super important to have a, uh, a tight-knit community that lets you be human. And in this process of growing notoriety and building a, a platform oftentimes we lose our humanity mm -hmm. and we need to be very careful <laughs> not doing that mm -hmm. um in that process um zan i'm really excited about what you're doing um i'm an avid follower and i'm hoping that uh, my 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 group of people will go yes so am i now <laughs> um like tell us where we can find you Mm -hmm. Um, like what, what are the best ways to follow you on social or how do we, how do we get a hold of your, uh, your music? Yes. My music is available everywhere. My album drops on April 28th. Woohoo! So, so excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and I'm really active mainly on my Instagram so there's that and then one of the other ways that's I think is really fun is my patreon so you can subscribe for a dollar a month or you know some people do 10 some people do 30 um, and there's different benefits with each and I do like more personalized things with people there I write them letters um, yeah you know it's it's a fun community so those are kind of you know music available everywhere Instagram and the patreon are kind of like the three big things Okay, cool. We'll put that in the show notes and we will uh <laughs> we'll make sure to have a link. Where where can we buy the album? Do we just download it on Spotify? What do we do with that? So I think um well, well my Patreon people are going to be able to buy it at the beginning of April. Um but I'll put the actual CDs. They'll be available for purchase on my website. And then if you don't do the CD thing, it'll be on Spotify, Apple Music, all the all the stuff um, starting April 28th. Awesome. I can't wait because I love your music. It's thanks. great. So thank cool. You. Well, thank you for hanging out with us. Yeah. It was a lot of fun me. talking today. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. That was an amazing interview. Thank you, Zan. I really enjoyed spending my time uh, with her, and I'm sure you guys did too. Hey, normally I do the soapbox or I do a book review, which we're going to get to next week. But um, during a, an interview with a creative such as Zan, what I thought would be better is to end our show with letting her show off her talent which is amazing because she's getting ready to drop her album uh sleeping problems this week so check it out it's on the 28th a couple days from now and so we're really excited to see her just show everything she's got to the world and i would love for you to go pick up her album wherever her albums are sold look at apple music or spotify it'll be really great all right, here's Zan with Find Myself. I find myself in the wandering of life. I find myself not knowing where to hide. I'm still looking for my life. I woke myself the brisk morning light I find myself still looking like a child I'm wondering why Thinking about the way we used to talk about the way myself 
blanket of white Oh, you bet your eyes from staring at the sky is an amazing human being. So let's go support her. She is on Patreon. Look her up. It's Z-A-N-F-I-S-K-U-M. She's got songs there. If you support her, she's got a whole community there that she gives content away. It's so amazing. Also check her out on zanfiscom.com. Thank you for listening to the Leadful Podcast, hosted by Chesley Lunday. Join us next time to discover insights, to defeat futility, and develop fulfillment. Now it's your turn to lead full. Go, fill the world with hope.